This is day 47 of our daily Bible reading plan. We will be completing Judges chapters 20 and 21, and then we will go into the book of Ruth and complete the first three chapters. Lord Heavenly Father, please make us clean. Please make us pure and holy and undefiled in your sight. We're so lost most of the time, Lord, and we're just so... We're still sinners, and yet you have chosen to make us holy and to make us righteous through your Son, and we are not deserving of such wondrous grace, but Lord, we thank you for it, and that we may be reminded of it as we go through our days, that you have called us to a higher calling, and that we should not make any accommodation for the things of this world that bring us down or distract us from you, Lord. Please bring us into your word today and that we may be refreshed by it, that we can leave our homes to into this crazy world that needs you so much that we can be a shining light and an example to people that of hope and of peace and of joy. Please bless this time in the name of Jesus. Amen. Then all the sons of Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, including the land of Gilead, came out. And the congregation assembled as one man to the Lord at Mizpah. The chiefs of all the people, even of all the tribes of Israel, took their stand in the assembly of the people of God, 400,000 foot soldiers who drew the sword. Now the sons of Benjamin heard that the sons of Israel had gone up to Mizpah. And the sons of Israel said, Tell us, how did this wickedness take place? So the Levite, the husband of the woman who was murdered, answered and said, I came with my concubine to spend the night at Gibeah, which belonged to Benjamin. But the men of Gibeah rose up against me and surrounded the house at night because of me. They intended to kill me. Instead, they ravished my concubine so that she died. And I took hold of my concubine and cut her in pieces and sent her throughout the land of Israel's inheritance. For they have committed a lewd and disgraceful act in Israel. Behold, all you sons of Israel, give your advice and counsel here. Then all the people arose as one man saying, Not one of us will go to his tent, nor will any of us return to his house. But now, this is the thing which we shall do to Gibeah. We will go up against it by lot. And we will take ten men out of a hundred throughout the tribes of Israel, and a hundred out of a thousand, and a thousand out of ten thousand, to supply food for the people that when they come to Gibeah of Benjamin, they may punish them for all the disgraceful acts that they have committed in Israel. Thus all the men of Israel were gathered against the city, united as one man. Then the tribes of Israel sent men through the entire tribe of Benjamin, saying, What is this wickedness that has taken place among you? 
Now then, deliver up the men, the worthless fellows of Gibeah, that we may put them to death and remove this wickedness from Israel. But the sons of Benjamin would not listen to the voice of their brothers, the sons of Israel. The sons of Benjamin gathered from the cities to Gibeah to go out to battle against the sons of Israel. From the cities on that day, the sons of Benjamin were numbered. 26,000 men who draw the sword, besides the inhabitants of Gibeah who were numbered, 700 choice men. Out of all these people, 700 choice men were left-handed. Each one could sling a stone at a hair and not miss. Then the men of Israel, besides Benjamin, were numbered, 400,000 who draw the sword. All these were men of war. Now the sons of Israel arose, went up to Bethel, and inquired of God, and said, Who shall go up first for us to battle against the sons of Benjamin? Then the Lord said, Judah shall go up first. So the sons of Israel arose in the morning and camped against Gibeah. The men of Israel went out to battle against Benjamin, and the men of Israel arrayed for battle against them at Gibeah. Then the sons of Benjamin came out of Gibeah and felled to the ground on that day 22,000 men of Israel. But the people, the men of Israel, encouraged themselves and arrayed for battle again in the place where they had arrayed themselves the first day. The sons of Israel went up and wept before the Lord until evening, and inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall we again draw near for battle against the sons of my brother Benjamin? And the Lord said, Go up against them. Then the sons of Israel came against the sons of Benjamin the second day. Benjamin went out against them from Gibeah the second day, and felled to the ground again 18,000 men of the sons of Israel. All these drew the sword. Then all the sons of Israel and all the people went up and came to Bethel and wept. Thus they remained there before the Lord and fasted that day until evening. And they offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. The sons of Israel inquired of the Lord, for the Ark of the Covenant of God was there in those days. And Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, Aaron's son, stood before it to minister in those days, saying, Shall I yet again go out to battle against the sons of my brother Benjamin? Or shall I cease? And the Lord said, Go up, for tomorrow... I will deliver them into your hand. So Israel set men in ambush against Gibeah. The sons of Israel went up against the sons of Benjamin on the third day and arrayed themselves against Gibeah as at other times. The sons of Benjamin went out against the people and were drawn away from the city, and they began to strike and kill some of the people as at other times on the highways one of which goes up to Bethel and the other to Gibeah. 
and in the field about thirty men of Israel. The sons of Benjamin said, They are struck down before us as at the first. But the sons of Israel said, Let us flee, that we may draw them away from the city to the highways. Then all the men of Israel arose from their place and arrayed themselves at Baal Tamar, and the men of Israel in ambush broke out of their place, even out of Maharav Gibbah. When ten thousand choice men from all Israel came around Gibeah, the battle became fierce, but Benjamin did not know that disaster was close to them. And the Lord struck Benjamin before Israel, so that the sons of Israel destroyed 25,100 men of Benjamin that day, all who draw the sword. So the sons of Benjamin saw that they were defeated. And the men of Israel gave ground to Benjamin, because they relied on the men in ambush whom they had set against Gibeah. The men of ambush hurried and rushed against Gibeah. The men in ambush also deployed and struck all the city with the edge of the sword. Now the appointed sign between the men of Israel and the men in ambush was that they would make a great cloud of smoke rise from the city. Then the men of Israel turned in the battle, and Benjamin began to strike and kill about thirty men of Israel. For they said, Surely they are defeated before us, as in the first battle. But when the cloud began to rise from the city in a column of smoke, Benjamin looked behind them, and behold, the whole city was going up in smoke to heaven. Then the men of Israel turned, and the men of Benjamin were terrified, for they saw that disaster was close to them. Therefore they turned their backs before the men of Israel toward the direction of the wilderness. But the battle overtook them, while those who came out of the cities destroyed them in the midst of them. They surrounded Benjamin, pursued them without rest, and trod them down opposite Gibeah toward the east. Thus 18,000 men of Benjamin fell. All these were valiant warriors. The rest turned and fled toward the wilderness to the rock of Ramon, but they caught 5,000 of them on the highways and overtook them at Gadam and killed 2,000 of them. So all of Benjamin who fell that day were 25,000 men who draw the sword. All these were valiant warriors. But 600 men turned and fled toward the wilderness to the Rock of Ramon, and they remained at the Rock of Ramon four months. The men of Israel then turned back against the sons of Benjamin and struck them with the edge of the sword, both the entire city with the cattle and all that they found. They also set on fire all the cities which they found. Now the men of Israel had sworn in Mizpah, saying, None of us shall give his daughter to Benjamin in marriage. So the people came to Bethel and sat there before God until evening, and lifted up their voices and wept bitterly. 
They said, Why, O Lord, God of Israel, has this come about in Israel, so that one tribe should be missing today in Israel? It came about the next day that the people arose early and built an altar there and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. Then the sons of Israel said, Who is there among all the tribes of Israel who did not come up in the assembly to the Lord? For they had taken a great oath concerning him who did not come up to the Lord at Mizpah, saying, He shall surely be put to death. And the sons of Israel were sorry for their brother Benjamin and said, One tribe is cut off from Israel today. What shall we do for wives for those who are left? Since we have sworn by the Lord not to give them any of our daughters in marriage. And they said, What one is there of the tribes of Israel who did not come up to the Lord at Mizpah? And behold, no one had come to the camp from Jabesh-Gilead to the assembly. For when the people were numbered, behold, not one of the inhabitants of Jabesh-Gilead was there. And the congregation sent twelve thousand of the valiant warriors there and commanded them, saying, Go and strike the inhabitants of Jabesh-Gilead with the edge of the sword, with the women and the little ones. This is the thing that you shall do. You shall utterly destroy every man and every woman who has lain with a man. And they found among the inhabitants of Jabesh-Gilead four hundred young virgins who had not known a man by lying with him. And they brought them to the camp at Shiloh, which is in the land of Canaan. Then the whole congregation sent word and spoke to the sons of Benjamin, who were at the rock of Ammon, and proclaimed peace to them. Benjamin returned at that time, and they gave them the women whom they had kept alive from the women of Jabesh-Gilead. Yet they were not enough for them. And the people were sorry for Benjamin, because the Lord had made a breach in the tribes of Israel. Then the elders of the congregation said, What shall we do for wives, for those who are left, since the women are destroyed out of Benjamin? They said, There must be an inheritance for the survivors of Benjamin, so that a tribe will not be blotted out from Israel. But we cannot give them wives of our daughters. For the sons of Israel had sworn, saying, Cursed is he who gives a wife to Benjamin. So they said, Behold, there is a feast of the Lord from year to year in Shiloh, which is on the north side of Bethel, on the east side of the highway that goes up from Bethel to Shechem, and on the south side of Labona. And they commanded the sons of Benjamin, saying, Go, and lie in wait in the vineyards, and watch. And behold, if the daughters of Shiloh come out to take part in the dances, then you shall come out of the vineyards, and each of you shall catch his wife from the daughters of Shiloh, and go to the land of Benjamin. 
It shall come about when their fathers or their brothers come to complain to us that we shall say to them, Give them to us voluntarily, because we did not take for each man of Benjamin a wife in battle, nor did you give them to them, else you would now be guilty. The sons of Benjamin did so, and took wives according to their number from those who danced, whom they carried away. And they went and they returned to their inheritance, and rebuilt the cities, and lived in them. The sons of Israel departed from there at that time, every man to his tribe and family. And each one of them went out from there to his inheritance. In those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Now it came about in the days when the judges governed that there was a famine in the land. And a certain man of Bethlehem in Judah went to sojourn in the land of Moab with his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Malon and Chilion, Ephrathites of Bethlehem in Judah. Now they entered the land of Moab and remained there. Then Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They took for themselves Moabite women as wives. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other, Ruth. And they lived there about ten years. Then both Malon and Chilion also died, and the woman was bereft of her two children and her husband. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law, that she might return from the land of Moab. For she had heard in the land of Moab that the Lord had visited his people in giving them food. So she departed from the place where she was, and her two daughters-in-law with her. And they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. And Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go, return each of you to her mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you, as you have dealt with the dead, and with me. May the Lord grant that you may find rest, each in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. And they said to her, No, but we will surely return with you to your people. But Naomi said, Return, my daughters. Why should you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb, that they may be your husbands? Return, my daughters, go, for I am too old to have a husband. If I said I have hope, if I should ha even have a husband tonight and also bear sons, would you therefore wait until they are grown? Would you therefore refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, for it is harder for me than for you, for the hand of the Lord has gone forth against me. And they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. Then she said, Behold, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and her gods. 
return after your sister-in-law. And Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or turn back from following you. For where you go, I will go, and where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. Thus may the Lord do to me, and worse, if anything but death parts you and me. When she saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more to her. So they both went until they came to Bethlehem. And when they had come to Bethlehem, all the city was stirred because of them. And the women said, Is this Naomi? She said to them, Do not call me Naomi. Call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why do you call me Naomi, since the Lord has witnessed against me, and the Almighty has afflicted me? So Naomi returned, and with her Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law, who returned from the land of Moab. And they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of barley harvest. Now Naomi had a kinsman of her husband, a man of great wealth, of the family of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabitess said to Naomi, Please let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after one in whose sight I may find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. So she departed and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the portion of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the family of Elimelech. Now behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said to the reapers, May the Lord be with you. And they said to him, May the Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his servant, who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? The servant in charge of the reapers replied, She is the young Moabite woman who returned with Naomi from the land of Moab. And she said, Please let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. Thus she came and has remained from the morning until now. She has been sitting in the house for a little while. Then Boaz said to Ruth, Listen carefully, my daughter. Do not go to glean in another field. Furthermore, do not go on from this one, but stay here with my maids. Let your eyes be on the field which they reap, and go after them. Indeed, I have commanded the servants not to touch you. When you are thirsty, go to the water jars and drink from what the servants draw. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your sight, that you should take notice of me, since I am a foreigner? Boaz replied to her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law after the death of your husband has been fully reported to me, and how you left your father and your mother 
in the land of your birth, and came to a people that you did not previously know. May the Lord reward your work, and your wages be full from the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to seek refuge. Then she said, I have found favor in your sight, my Lord, for you have comforted me, and indeed have spoken kindly to your maidservant, though I am not like one of your maidservants. At mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come here, that you may eat of the bread and dip your piece of bread in the vinegar. So she sat beside the reapers, and he served her roasted grain, and she ate and was satisfied, and had some left. When she rose to glean, Boaz commanded his servants, saying, Let her glean even those among the sheaves, and do not insult her. Also you shall purposely pull out for her some grain from the bundles, and leave it that she may glean, and do not rebuke her. So she gleaned in the field until evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. She took it up and went into the city, and her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. She also took it out and gave Naomi what she had left after she was satisfied. Her mother-in-law then said to her, Where did you glean today, and where did you work? May he who took notice of you be blessed. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, The name of the man with whom I worked today is Boaz. Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed of the Lord who has not withdrawn his kindness to the living and to the dead. Again, Naomi said to her, the man is our relative. He is one of our closest relatives. Then Ruth the Moabitess said, Furthermore, he said to me, You should stay close to my servants until they have finished all their harvest. Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that you go out with his maids, so that others do not fall upon you in another field. So she stayed close by the maids of Boaz in order to glean until the end of the barley harvest and the wheat harvest, and she lived with her mother-in-law. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, shall I not seek security for you, that it may be well with you? Now is not Boaz our kinsman, with whose maids you were? Behold, he winnows barley at the threshing floor tonight. Wash yourself, therefore, and anoint yourself, and put on your best clothes, and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. It shall be when he lies down that you shall notice the place where he lies, and you shall go and uncover his feet and lie down. Then he will tell you what you shall do. She said to her, All that you say, I will do.
So she went down to the threshing floor and did according to all that her mother-in-law had commanded her. When Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. And she came secretly and uncovered his feet and lay down. It happened in the middle of the night that the man was startled and bent forward. And behold, a woman was lying at his feet. He said, Who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your maid. So spread your covering over your maid, for you are a close relative. Then he said, May you be blessed of the Lord, my daughter. You have shown your last kindness to be better than the first, by not going after young men, whether poor or rich. Now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you whatever you ask. For all my people in the city know that you are a woman of excellence. Now it is true I am a close relative. However, there is a relative closer than I. Remain this night, and when morning comes, if he will redeem you, good. Let him redeem you. But if he does not wish to redeem you, then I will redeem you, as the Lord lives. Lie down until morning. So she lay at his feet until morning, and rose before one could recognize another. And he said, Let it not be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. Again he said, Give me the cloak that is on you, and hold it. So she held it, and he measured six measures of barley and laid it on her. Then she went into the city. When she came to her mother-in-law, she said, How did it go, my daughter? And she told her all that the man had done to her. She said, These six measures of barley he gave to me. For he said, Do not go to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Then she said, Wait, my daughter, until you know how the matter turns out. For the man will not rest until he has settled it today. Would you not agree that this is a huge contrast from what we read in Judges to what we're reading in Ruth here? What is nice about this is that it is a beacon of hope. Because Judges ends on such a really bad note. It really does. So we see the nation of Benjamin became very perverted and they're practicing homosexual behavior and just downright wild and feral in the way that they handled these things and it was disgusting and you started to see that in our nation you have been seeing that in in america for a while now and it just makes you wonder when is god going to have people destroy us and I hope that day does not come. I hope there's a revival. I hope there's repentance before that happens. But Israel came together, as it says multiple times, they came together as one man. They were completely united against Benjamin because what Benjamin did was despicable and was disgusting. And they wanted that purged from among them. And that's something that 
really should be our attitude as well, is not a an attitude of tolerance, but an attitude of purging. These things should not be among us. Now, I don't know how much influence the Lord will let us have when it comes to the national level, but at least in our individual lives, what we tolerate is completely up to us. And what we choose to associate with is completely up to us. And those things should not be among us. Now, I'm not advocating violence or anything towards this, but certainly it needs to be purged and it needs to be spoken against in our time. So at first, Benjamin was showing to be very skilled in battle. They had men that were left-handed, Again, very proud of that for me, as well as they were excellent marksmen when it came to ranged combat, distance combat, and they were highly successful. We see that the first time these 400,000 men go to battle against a much smaller group, it says that uh, the first day, Benjamin killed 22,000 people. And Israel was freaking out. So they prayed, and do we try again? And, and God said, yeah, try again. Then the second day, 18,000 men were killed. And they were like, really? I mean, that doesn't seem like you want us to be successful, Lord. But that was the whole point. The second time around, which way were they going to go? Or were they just going to get angry at God and abandon him? Or were they going to continue to stick to his side? And they, but they went straight to the Lord again. What shall we do? And then the Lord said, go ahead and go up because tomorrow I'm going to deliver them into your hand. And there you go. There's the promise you need. There's the confidence. And with that, they changed their, their tactics a little bit. Creating some ambush party. And they were able to flank Benjamin, and we were able to be successful against them in battle. And they wiped out almost the entire tribe. There were only a handful of men left in Benjamin. And it was a very sad time for the nation of Israel. Only 600 men remained. And they were hiding in a particular place, the Rock of Ramon. And so they didn't want Benjamin to be completely wiped out. But they had made a covenant with each other saying that we were not going to give any of our daughters to them in marriage. So when they went up to Bethel, they were trying to figure out, okay, how are we going to save Benjamin from total destruction? And so they figured out this very unusual way of doing it, um, first off by which group didn't come to help us out in battle as they were supposed to. And it was the group of Jabesh Gilead. And so they went and wiped them out, took their women and gave them to Benjamin, his wives, to help them repopulate. But not only that, but also at Shiloh, when the women would come out and dance, they would literally capture them and take them back. I mean... At this point, for the group of Shiloh, there's about 200 men who still didn't have wives. And they were told to take wives, quite literally. 
from among the maidens of Shiloh who were dancing at the festivals. So this action allowed the men of Shiloh to keep their oath not to give their girls to the people of Benjamin but because they were taken. They weren't given, technically, but they were <laughs> taken. There's, there's a difference, right? And so that's how they played it. And, you know, very un unorthodox way of having that done. And you don't see that they involved the Lord in these matters. I don't know if this is how God would have wanted them to handle this. Because after the battle had been won, they no longer consulted the Lord. They mourned before the Lord that Benjamin was defeated and was almost completely gone, but they did not inquire of the Lord for these things. And so in today's world, this seems just bizarre because they're treating women like they're just cattle, like they're just property. And there was a different dynamic, to be sure, about how women were treated back then. That's not to say that is correct, because it's not, but that's how they did it. And so, again, it doesn't say God endorsed it. It was written down because it was factual and historical, but this is not saying this is how God wants it to be done, because he was not inquired of for this. And that ended the book of Judges with the same verse that completely summarized the entire book. There was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Again, we see it. And it is a fitting end for the book of Judges because that's exactly what Israel has been doing. But I love that the book of Ruth takes place in the Bible after this one. Because Judges is such a downer. It really is. Just how they always go off track. They always lose their worship of the Lord. And then he takes action against them as he properly should. And it just seems like there's no breaking this cycle. It's never going to stop. What's the whole point of anything if, it, if they're not going to break the cycle? And then you read the book of Ruth, where there is hope. And there are still men who are godly in the land of Israel. Now, the book of Ruth takes place during the time of the judges. We don't really know when, but it's near the end. We can imagine because of the uh, relevance of who Ruth is in the timeline. And we'll read about her heritage and her descendants tomorrow. But we see that Ruth is a member of a family with a woman named Naomi, who she's a Moabite woman. And again, just as a reminder, in the Law of Moses, it was not wrong for an Israelite to marry a Moabite woman. Now, a woman could not, a woman of Israel could not marry a Moabite man. But again, remember the woman would be the one integrating into the culture of wherever they married, since the man was the primary. So in this case, by a Moabite woman marrying an Israelite, 
in turn, she's basically becoming an Israelite. So that was acceptable in those days. We have Naomi being married to an Israelite man, and the husband dies, and their two sons also die. We don't know why, but we can maybe see why, because the names of these men. Elimelech is, a, is an excellent name. His name means, my God is king, which is very nice. But the two sons <laughs> have unfortunate names. You have Malon and you have Chilion. Malon means puny. <laughs> so he's a puny man. So, And then we have Chilion, which means pining. He's someone who just pines for things. And in some way, for some reason, they died. And so they, they were left three widows. One old widow and two younger widows. And according to the law of Moses, Naomi was beyond the age of getting married again. So she stayed a widow. But the two other ones were young enough to where they could go back and they can get remarried. And that's what Naomi was trying to push for, was to have them go back to Moab and find another husband so that they can be in security and in safety. And then we see that the two women, Orpah and Ruth, did two different things. Orpah said, that sounds great, and she left. And Ruth stayed to be honoring her mother-in-law. What she said was very beautiful in verses 16 and 17. Do not urge me to leave you or turn back from following you. For where you will go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God shall be my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. Thus may the Lord do to me, and worse, if anything but death parts you and me. Such fascinating, beautiful words. This kind of commitment is one of the most beautiful in all of Scripture. It really is. And it's no wonder that this kind of stuff is what we say at marriage, isn't it? When you give your vows, think of what you say during the vows. Isn't that kind of what it is? We see that she is a woman of character. And she's not the only one who's going to see it. Because in chapter 2, she goes and tries to get something for them to eat. And so one of the, if we remember the law of Moses is that they were instructed not to cut the corners of their fields so that women and children, the orphans and the widows, could have something to eat. So they would follow behind the reapers, and they would take whatever fell down and it was discarded. They would be able to take that and be able to have something to eat. And that's exactly what she was doing. And then you come to the field of Boaz. And Boaz being apparently an older man. We don't know how old he is, but um, I'm assuming like 40s, 50s maybe. And he was very wealthy, and he was a relative of Naomi's through the husband. He caught notice, and so he went out of his way to do good things for her. 
because she carried a reputation with her of being a person of honor. And in turn, Boaz showed honor to her. And you just see this, this relationship building here. And they're being kind to each other. There's no flirting necessarily, but they're being kind to each other. And Boaz in his, is being ex extra generous with her. And when Naomi finds out where she's been getting all this stuff from and realizes Boaz, she's like, oh, there is hope for, Na for Ruth after all. So she starts kind of giving her some advice as to, well, you know, if he likes you and you like him, you're both kind to each other, well, maybe we can make something out of this. In the Law of Moses as well, if a woman became widowed and did not have any heirs, so in this case, Naomi had two sons, but both of the sons died. So in this case, their father, Elimelech, had no heirs, no one to carry on the family name. So the custom was that the closest relative would be the kinsman redeemer. And this is a type of Christ that Boaz uh, fills the role of, the kinsman redeemer. And he is a blood relative. There was something that needed to be gained, something that needed to be purchased for that were uh, forfeited inheritances. So in this case, you have Ruth being an inheritance that was not fulfilled because she had no husband, she had no children, she was still young. Therefore, he had to do something about it. And so he works on purchasing Ruth from his other relative because Boaz said, that there was one relative that was closer to Naomi than he was, but he was going to do something, and he was going to work it out in her favor. So he was willing to redeem Ruth, even though he was not the closest relative. Don't you see how much he cares about Ruth? And it just makes you wonder, if he is a type of Christ, how far did Jesus go to redeem us? John 3.16 says that right there, doesn't it? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. He paid the ultimate price. He gave his Son. He gave the Holy One, the anointed child of God. Though they are equal, he gave came in the form of a man to die on the cross for us. That's the price he paid. He paid the ultimate price for us. Boaz didn't pay the ultimate price, but he did everything he could to work this out in her favor. Did it seem odd to you how this happened in chapter 3? How she was supposed to warm up to him? Apparently, when he went to go thresh his grain... On the threshing floor, he would, it would be a festive time, you know. And so he would eat and he would drink some wine and he would be just in a great mood. He'd be happy and, you know, and just enjoying the produce of his labor. And so when he would be passing out, so to speak, then 
she was going to supposed to come over there, uncover his feet, and let her be the source of his warmth, though, so that when he would wake up and be like, "Whoa, what is this doing here?" Then he would wake up and it's like, "Who, who are you?" It's like, "I'm Ruth." And now this word here, because if we don't understand the culture, this would sound weird. I am Ruth, your maid. So spread your covering over your maid, for you are a close relative. This basically was a, a proposal, a pledge to marry her. And so this is uh, not the only time you see this. There's other parts of the Bible where they use this term. But that's what that was. That's, it was a type of uh, gesture that showed that, hey, um, I'm available to marry you. I want to be married by you. Please put your covering over me as a pledge that you will marry me. And Boaz seemed very pleased with what happened with this. We don't know what she looks like or anything. It doesn't even say how she, what, what her beauty is. But it doesn't matter because of what he says that, you know, do not fear, my daughter. I will do for you whatever you ask. Why? Because all the people in the city know that you are a woman of excellence, that her heart is good towards the Lord, and that she is trying to do the right thing. And he said, however, I'm not the closest relative. Remain, and then when the morning comes, if he will redeem you, good. Let him redeem you. But if he does not, then I will. As the Lord lives, I will do this. Which means, I'm not going to rest until I get this figured out. And Naomi got that. She went back and told Naomi what happened. She said, he's not going to rest until he's got this figured out. So let him handle this. And if we know the story that's coming up tomorrow, things went in their favor. So tomorrow we're going to finish the book of Ruth and begin 1 Samuel. That's all I have for today. I'm Ryan. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Take care, and God bless you.